Welcome back to the Colorado Switchblade. I'm your host, as always, Jason Van Tatenhoff. Just getting back this week from, uh, and went out to LA. What a crazy experience LA is. Oh, I'm, I'm so glad that I just visit. Man, my lungs cannot take the smog. I mean, going down in the airplane, the jet, it's like you literally go through a layer of cloud that is nothing but smog. I mean, I thought we had it bad in Denver. I thought New York City was bad, but this is just nothing compared to L.A. But man, L.A. is a crazy town. Granted, I only got to see like the really good parts of it. I uh, I got put up in the uh, uh, super fancy hotel and basically spent all my time in, in like the Beverly Hills, West Hollywood, Hollywood area. And uh, did a show, live show with uh, Michael Cohen and Kathy Griffin, which that was bizarre. Like uh, I walk into the green room and there's Kathy sitting with her, uh, with her significant other and uh, just, hey, Jason, and uh, wanted to take pictures with me. I'll, I'll put them on there. But man, it was great. I mean, I really wasn't sure what to expect, but I love Kathy. She's pretty great. And uh, of course, she just immediately got in trouble right after the show with Twitter and Elon yesterday. She's been banned, maybe, maybe for life, but we'll see. I don't know. That's what we'll have to see there. But and it was a great show. I'm going to put links in. You can listen to it live for free um, at the Mea Copa podcast, uh, which is, man, it's one of the top political podcasts out there. Um, like 60 million downloads is what they've gotten so far. So uh, nothing, not, I mean, I'm I'm lucky that I'm pushing like thirty thousand downloads. Um, no, nothing like Michael, but uh, it'll get there. Um, getting final edits done on the book, and my editor finally uh, finally read the whole thing. And man, I I think I said it last week where I was just just so like having night terrors about you know my editor coming back and being like, why the fuck did we bother writing a contract with you? We want our money back, and we're suing you for more. But of course, that was just you know, the usual creative mind that just has crippling self-doubt um, at play, but uh, she loves it and uh, just a bit over the moon feels it's a very important book. And uh, man, we're already talking about maybe, maybe pitching the next pitch is going to be uh, to cover the 2024 elections um, from DC and from the, uh, from the campaign trail, kind of, kind of in homage to Hunter Thompson's uh, fear and loathing. Um, was it fear and loathing on the campaign trail? I think that's what it was. It was the uh, the elections with Nixon and whatnot. So, um, man, there's real interest though. Like uh, they <laughs> talking to the right publishers and and all the right people. Anyway, it is uh, today's Monday, November seventh, and tomorrow is Super Tuesday. Are you ready? You ready for the craziness that's going to ensue? I mean, it's it's already the craziness is already thick among us, and um, so uh, I've been filling out my uh, my voting, my um, mail in voting. Let me go bring it down. Here's another weird little story. So uh, I had um, a documentary filmmaker come out from the Netherlands. Um, his last name's Levy, Gideon Levy. He's one like. I don't know, two or three different really big humanitarian awards for the coverage he does on different subjects. He had come out, uh, I want to say a month or so ago, but uh, 
he had called me up and wanted to know because they're doing these uh the, the these little videos that's from all over the world they, they went and interviewed people all over the world that are dealing with some of the same things that we're seeing here in america and you know, this kind of rise of the the hard right or fascism uh whatever you want to call it um and uh, wanted to know more about the voting process here in America and asked if I could kind of do a quick video explaining it. So I, I actually went through and made a quick video talking about some of the the topics that are going to be happening uh, in tomorrow's election. Um, and, uh, you know, I also uh, I'm, I'm going to go check with the, the clerk in town before I do this, but they want a video of like me turning it in. I don't know if I'll be able to do that. I'm going to find out from the officials and find out what I can and can't do. Um, but, uh, you know, even if it's just me walking into the building, they want to just kind of see the voting process here in America. So I thought that was kind of interesting that, you know, I'd have people from, uh, Holland reaching out to, <laughs> to hear about my voting. So, uh, so yeah, I'm, um, I'll tell you what, there are some pretty important issues and I'm just going to go over them with you real quick. We also are going to have on, um, we're going to have on from, um, from Georgetown Law's ICAP, the Institute for Constitutional Advocacy and Protection. Um, but we're going to have on one of their folks and that is going to be uh, Rupa. And uh, she's going to break down. They put out a, a little thing just today talking about um, what is it, it's it's basically just a election related guidance as to what's legal, what's not. Um, there are fact sheets for all 50 states ex explaining the laws, barring unauthorized private militia groups and what to do if you encounter armed individuals, um, fact sheets on what all the voter intimidation laws are guidance on outlining actions election officials can take to address and prevent voter intimidation, um, guidance on law enforcement's role, guidance on the authority of state government to regulate poll observer conduct, uh, managing vehicular protests during election season. Um, the, the fact sheet I went over with the constitutional sheriffs in last week's episode, a fact sheet on video recording in or near polling places. And I did read that, but I'm, it, it, it is different by region, state, and county. So uh, I'm going to go ask first just to make sure. Um, guidance on uh, for election law enforcement and public safety officials to mitigate the threat of political violence. Not that I think we're going to have a lot of that here in Estes, but maybe across Colorado. I don't know. Fact sheet in response to the increase in threats against public officials and private individuals whose jobs involve election integrity and tabulating and certifying the votes. Um and then uh, guidance for law enforcement about how to protect election staff and ballots during the vote counting period. So um, so we're going to have Rupa on to talk about that for the second half of the broadcast. Um, and uh, let's just quick go over what some of the, the things are. So I've got my, my ballot here in front of me. Oh, before we get into that, real quick, I did add a new chat because, you know, uh, our, our social media... Um, <laughs> our social media ecology is basically a dumpster fire right now. I mean, with what Alon's doing and I mean, I'm completely off Twitter. I'm completely off Facebook and my life has not been so good in a long time. So, um, 
as a way to still be able to communicate with me. So if you are a member, and this is going to get better. Right now, it's just kind of the beta. So it's just with, if you have an iPhone and you have the Substack app, you'll be able to, and, and if you are a, a subscribing, paid subscriber to my podcast, which is only $5 a month, um, you will be able to, um, it's kind of like Twitter where you can reply to each other and it's live and gives you updates and stuff. So I put out my first thread, just asking my listeners who, who are able to do the chat um, to, to just give a quick introduction about who they are and kind of what their gig is. And then uh, what are your biggest fears and concerns? And most importantly, what are your biggest hopes for the election tomorrow? Um, and already have people, uh, interacting and using it. So go check it out. If you've got an iPhone, it will come out on Android and it will come out just on the website. Um, but the first rollout has been just with the iPhones, kind of what they're beta testing on. So check it out. Let me know what you think. And you'll be able to tell me right there if you can do it. So, um, all right. So of course, uh, we have, um, for federal offices that are being voted on tomorrow, tomorrow's the final day. Um, is it, or is it the, uh, yeah, Tuesday, November 8th. I, you might. Yeah. Um, so just be sure to get your stuff in by tomorrow or go down and vote in person. Um, but it's so important. We vote. You got to get out and vote. It is so, I don't care how you vote, but right now our, our world is upside down and catching fire. So, uh, it's just, critically important that we all get out and vote um if you have any problems with that and you're you're local let me know we'll figure out a way to get you there we'll figure out a way to get you you know understanding the process um just reach out jason at colorado switchblade.com all right oh and before we go any further i probably ought to i, I want to thank my sponsors um who make this possible this podcast um every month every week that i do it um and that's the Historic Park Theater and the Real Mountain Theater, both here in Estes Park. Um, you can either have a, a kind of retro um, back in the day experience with the movie theaters. There's also a lot of live shows at the uh, Park Theater and then uh, more of a modern experience at the uh, the Real Mountain Cinema. So, uh, yeah. Thank you very much for sponsoring the podcast. If you'd like to sponsor the podcast, um, get in touch, get in touch. Um, all right. So of course, federal offices, we have us Senator. Um, we have Michael Bennett, who's democratic, John O'Day, who's Republican, TJ Cole's unity party, Brian Poetter, libertarian, Frank Atwood, approval voting. And I'm going to tell you folks right now, like I am a diehard independent. I've been independent my whole life, other than the, the short period of time I had to register Republican to um, run in a local election that I had won and was part of the central committee for a while. This was like, I don't know, 12 years ago. Um, it was really more of a social experiment for me to see if I could do it um, and just learn more about local politics in the process. Um, but this election, I got to tell you, with the way the country's going right now and what what the hard right has been saying they're going to do if brought into power. Um, I'm going to vote along democratic lines. You know, I'm really going to go for, you know, and I think Jonah Geese is really doing a great job. I've worked with him several times, you know, doing stories for the paper and whatnot. 
Um, Jared Polis. I, I love Jared Polis. I think he's doing a great job. Um, I think he's done more for uh, protecting our, our freedoms, our basic human rights. Um, I think he's done a good job with the economy. I just, I like the guy. He's on South Park. Um, as far as Secretary of State, this is a very important race as well because, you know, we've seen, I went down and did a, a, a politi- my first political commercial ever down in um, Phoenix, Arizona because their Secretary of State uh, race is so close and just, it, it, you got a guy who's literally saying he's going to change everything about how uh, which votes are are allowed and which are negated, and that is dangerous. That's our democracy maybe going away. So, um, I think that um, uh, Jenna Griswold, who actually grew up here in Estes Park, she's got a local connection. I tried getting her on, but she's just too busy uh, before the election. Um, she's actually the director of the um, oh the Democratic Association of State Secretaries. Um, and uh, who I had worked with uh, in part uh, with uh, the, the TV commercial, at least finding out if I would be interested in doing something like that. And in that particular case, I was because I think that's a dangerous situation um, with uh, Fincham. And, and I just he is not the secretary of state that uh, Arizona needs. Um, state treasurer. Uh, I'm going to go with Dave Young again. I'm just going to keep going down the dem- Democratic line on this one. Um, you know, county offices, district one county commissioner, you've got justice Smith, who is our retiring, uh, now retired, or is he, he's not quite retired yet because someone's still got to be sheriff, but he's this, the county sheriff, which he's done an all right job, but he, he's, he's messaging along the lines of, uh, we need to get back to when things were better. And, and again, I think that's just kind of a dog whistle for, you know, time, back to a time when things were really good for white men who were straight and rich and Christian. I think that's really what that, that is saying. And um, I think he's really good at towing that kind of MAGA line. And um, I, I'd rat, much rather see uh, John Kafalas be elected there. Um, You know, I, I don't know the judges one way or another to really comment adequately. Um, so the amendment I wanted to talk about was the one that uh, talks about um, where is it? I'm looking for it right now. Um <sighs> talking about the use of magic mushrooms, which I think could really do really well for people with post-traumatic stress disorder. Um, And it's not like it's just going to be a free-for-all. They're not just saying mushrooms for everyone. No, it's under regulated circumstances in medical facilities overseen by medical staff. It's not just kids going out and buying mushrooms like the commercials would have you think. Um, They're doing it right. So, uh, and, and I think if you're not open to seeing what the medical benefits are, like you're part of the problem. Um, our veterans more than anyone could benefit from this. Our first responders who have dealt with, you know, retired first responders who have dealt with their share of just very traumatic shit and are dealing with PTSD. Um, 
this is a tool that could really help them in the future. Now, I'm not advocating for like cops to be able to use mushrooms on duty. That's the last thing I'm saying. But I'm saying, you know, once things are done, as someone who used to be a first responder myself, and, you know, I, I've had, certainly had my share of traumatic experiences that I will at times flash back to, you know, you, you don't see the things you see as a first responder and deal with on a regular basis. It doesn't just go away. You can push it away and you can, you know, focus on other things, but eventually that PTSD is going to come back up. And I really think that, um, the use of these these psychedelic medicines, plants, could be very, very helpful to people in our community whose job it was to go deal with very traumatic situations, whether that be active combat or saving lives and stopping wildfires. Um, you know, I, I think it's something that just really is going to be able to help. And again, it's going to be in a very regulated um, medical situation, you know, in clinics where that's their express job. It's going to be overseen medically. Um, and it's going to allow uh, companies to really do some real research into the possibilities. I'm not saying this is a, a silver bullet. I'm saying it could be though. And, and right now it's very difficult for people to do the research uh, to see if it might be. So uh, Proposition 122 concerning legal regulated access to natural medicines for persons 21 years of age or older, not the kids, like the YouTube commercials are saying. Um, yeah, I'm voting yes for. I am definitely voting yes for Proposition 122. Um, the other one is ballot issue. This is local, and this is the one that's very important to us here in Estes Park. Ballot issue 6E. Shall the Estes Park Local Marketing District taxes be increased by up to $6.3 million annually in the first fiscal full fiscal year and by whatever additional amounts are raised annually in each subsequent year by the levying of an additional 3.5% lodging tax on the purchase price paid or charged for rooms or accommodations within the district? commencing in the 2023 and continuing thereafter with such revenue to be collected and used to the maximum extent permitted by the Colorado revised statute amended for the construction or purchase of workforce housing or the purchase of land to provide sites for workforce housing, development and operation of the programs to support workforce access to affordable housing and development and operation of programs to support affordable workforce childcare services. With such funds to be collected by the district and transferred to the town of Estes Park for above uses, and shall the district and town be authorized to collect, keep, transfer, and spend all revenues received in 2023 and each year thereafter without regard to any spending revenue or other limitation in Article 10, Section 20 of the Colorado Constitution or any other statutory laws of the state of Colorado? And I am very much for this. It's a tax that we don't have to pay as community members. It's all being paid for by the tourists who come through by the millions every summer um, to help support what we need as a town to run, to help support the housing that houses our future teachers and our doctors and our nurses and our hostesses and our chefs and our cooks and our grocery store workers and our pharmacy workers. It affects every aspect of our life here in Estes Park. And the only people it really seems to be 
impacting in any sort of way are the people that generally have more vacation rentals than not. We've got to deal with workforce housing. We've got to deal with it in a way that we don't have members of our community sleeping in their vehicles through the winter because there's no housing here. This is something we can begin to fix now. And I think the town's doing a good job with it. I think Visit S's Parks doing a good job with it. Um, you know, a lot of the major employers in town that sometimes I complain about are getting behind this. Like, this is something we all need. So we can all come together to say, yes, I am for ballot initiative 60. So that's my take on what I'll be voting for anyway. Not that anyone really wants to know, but that's what it's going to be. Um, one of the issues we were going to talk about today, but we're going to put it off till later on this week. Um, so I don't know if you've been following the, um, the board of education here in Estes park and the, um, what they're looking to do with these charter schools. Now, if you've ever listened to any of my coverage of the, uh, the takeover of the board of education and the firing of, uh, the previous superintendent, I had always said, just wait and see, wait and see if they try to push a charter school coming through, because that will be the litmus test of what their real thoughts and, and intentions and motivations are. So we're going to break that down later on this week as to what my thoughts are about it anyway, and bring in some experts that have watched it happening in other school districts here in Colorado. And, uh, I'm trying to get some, some educators. I'm, I'm going to reach out to, to the current superintendent, uh, Miss Bodie and, and see if she'll come on and talk about it. I don't know if she will. We'll see. I'm going to reach out. Um, and, uh, if you're listening, please get a hold of me. This is an important issue. I know a lot of the educators in our community have already reached out to me. Um, and there's a lot of concern amongst current educators, previous educators, parents, so we're going to really dive into that and really talk to some experts and um, see if we can figure out what's going on there and what we might be able to do one way or the other. All right, folks. So uh, next up is going to be um, an interview from, uh, from Rupa over at the Georgetown Laws Institute for Constitutional Advocacy and Protection talking about things to watch out for and guidances on this election, as far as things that, that might be hinky that we might see, probably not here in Estes. I mean, Estes is pretty, we're pretty well insulated. It's, it's pretty much a bubble, um, which I think is great. But um, down in the Valley may not be so. And it's certainly happening around the country. And I'm getting more and more national listeners. Um, and um, welcome if you're a new listener on a national level. So coming up, that's what we got. All right, folks, we are now here with a special guest, and she is with Georgetown Law's ICAP, the Institute for Constitutional Advocacy and Protection, Rupa Padacharya. I, I hope I got that correct. I know my last name gets pronounced wrong all the time, but welcome to the Colorado Switchblade. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for having me, Jason. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. So today we're talking, we're on the eve of Super Tuesday. And um, there's a, just a lot going on right now. And ICAP has put out a couple of, of guidances. One I covered um, last week in, in our episode talking about constitutional sheriffs. But we've got, got um, a, a whole 
uh, list of things that that you have put out guidance on with uh, in with with some of your partner organizations, including the uh, State United Democracy Center, the Crime and Justice Institute, and the Twenty uh, One CP Solutions. So let, let's talk about this real quick. What first off, introduce yourself. Tell my listeners who you are and and kind of what Georgetown Law's ICAP's doing, and and just introduce yourself. So again, as you said, my name is Rupa Bhattacharya. I'm a special litigation counsel at ICAP, which is the Institute for Constitutional Advocacy and Protection. We're affiliated with Georgetown University Law Center, but basically we are a uh, nonpartisan um, litigation shop that in, that is trying to use the courts to protect people's constitutional rights in various ways. And we've been very focused um, in the run-up to the 2022 elections and as we look forward to the 2024 elections in making sure that we are in a position to protect democracy and protect people's rights to vote. So talk to us a little bit about the um, the guidances you put out today. Obviously, there's a lot of concern. We've seen the the actions that have happened down in Arizona with armed militia members. Um, what I would say are is intimidating voters, but you know they may say something else. Um, so talk about what brought you, uh, ICAP to to say we need to put out some real information about this and and just put some resources out. Yes, we're always um, trying to make sure that people have the resources that they need to understand what is legal and what is not, um, and to have. Um, things at their fingertips that they can rely on when they're trying to sort out when uh, election workers or local or state officials or law enforcement or even courts um, or, or potential litigants are trying to sort out what is actually acceptable conduct under the Constitution or under the laws that exist and what is not, what turns in, what amounts to voter intimidation as opposed to acceptable First Amendment protected expressive speech. And so the guidance that we put out spans a number of areas. Uh, some of it is related to a particular focus of ICAPS, which is on unauthorized private militia groups and the fact that they are illegal in all 50 states. But we've also put out a number of fact sheets that deal with voter intimidation, the steps that election officials can take to try and address it, what law enforcement's role properly is to ensure that voters can, can vote safely at the polls, um, and ways in which you can manage uh, protests or other sorts of activities that may try to disrupt people from voting. Right. How, how widespread do you think this is? Obviously, we've seen the reports um, coming out of Arizona. I mean, I felt so strongly about it. I went down and did a a political commercial talking about it down there. Um, but outside of Arizona, have we seen this happening much? I know we're kind of, I'm, I'm up in a small mountain town in, in Colorado and we're kind of an isolated bubble. Um, but even like today when I was down there, when I walked up to, to ask a question um, and it's all kind of combined with the police station, whatnot, cause we're a small town. And uh, we, there was a woman demanding to know why the police were not out uh, you know, watching the, the mail drop-off boxes. That's all I saw from our different polling places. But, you know, we're a small mountain town. How widespread and how real do you think this issue is right now? So it, it's hard. Honestly, it's 
Honestly, it's hard to know. I mean, we work with a number of researchers, uh, including DSR Labs um, and, and others who take a look at this issue and try to figure out where things are happening. Arizona seems to be a definite hotspot, which is not surprising given um, the number of election deniers that are on the ballot in Arizona, which is which is very concerning. Um, we have seen sort of sporadic activity in other states, much of it similar to what you saw, um, uh, where people are agitating for election workers and others to you know to keep a very close eye on ballot drop boxes much of which is being fueled by conspiracy theories arising out of the completely debunked, but nonetheless quite widespread um, belief in things that were in that 2000 mules movie. Yeah. Um, and so there's, there's a lot of concern about ballot boxes, and we've seen that in states ranging from New Hampshire all the way to the state of Washington, in Seattle, where people are attempting to ensure that that ballot harvesting is not happening which of course is something that we there's no actual evidence of. no and if, if you look at the breakdowns of the movie itself and even the fact that they they pulled back the book release and took out all of that information that the publishers did um because it became a, a you know a nightmare a legal nightmare as far as you know actually being held to account so it's just it, it seems like so much of it is coming from that one um that one propaganda movie that really just kind of created a snowball effect. Yeah, I think that's right. You know, unfortunately, I think that that is one of the, the prime examples in this election season of how disinformation really spreads. Um, and the debunking of that disinformation um, doesn't spread as often. You know, the, we've always, you've always seen in the real world, as opposed to on the internet, how the story spreads far, far wider than the correction. Um, when stories need to be corrected in the media, for example. And you see the same thing happening here. Um, disinformation spreads very, very easily. Not as many people pay attention to the debunking. No, not at all. I, I do have a little bit of hope, though, because we've seen so many people that would kind of fall within that demographic of of people who have seen that movie and been inspired to go and plug into the system as election judges and such. And I have to believe that because I've, I've worked as an election judge before and, and volunteered my time uh, in the process back years ago. And, you know, they really do take a good, good uh, amount of time and, and effort and they educate the people that are volunteering to do this. And, I, I have to think that, you know, the, these people going through this process and seeing all of the checks and balances and seeing all of the the, the work that goes into making sure it is a, a fair and balanced election and, and legitimate, that that's going to have some sort of effect. I, I sure hope so anyway. I, I hope so too. And I think you're right. I mean, one of the things that we've heard over and over and over again from election officials is we we want to tell people how we do our jobs because once you understand how we do our jobs, you will see that there's nothing to these sort of conspiracy theories. Um, and so it's it's really important for people who are um, concerned or have questions, go on the websites of your local election boards and look at the information that they've put out about how they do their jobs, what they do, what procedures they follow. Um, and, and hopefully that, that that will be very reassuring. Yeah, I, I sure hope so. And, I, you know, I think that's one of the main antidotes we have to all of this misinformation is, you know, whenever you shine the light of truth of what it really is, 
that tends to scatter the the disinformation. So um, hopefully that'll help. So let's let's talk about some real information. Let's talk about some education. So tell us about the fact sheets and guidances you put out. What do you think are the most important for the voters themselves? I know some of them are kind of um, catered towards, say, people within the legal system, prosecutors, whatnot. Um, what about just your average voter? What do you think as far as your fact sheets and guidance sheets? What, what's some of the most important information for them as they go to the polls tomorrow? most important thing for voters is to understand um, that not all activity is protected, that intimidating activity, threatening activity, um, potential violent activity is not protected by the First Amendment. It's not protected by the Second Amendment. And it needs to be, um, if voters are confronted with it, they should report it um, so that election officials and law enforcement where necessary can put a stop to it or can move it along or can make sure that voters that the next voter who comes along is not subjected to the same the same kind of treatment absolutely all right well and, and this really isn't going to be just these aren't issues that could potentially they are issues that could potentially we could see manifest tomorrow but we were discussing before we went on the air kind of some of the issues we need to be aware of after the day of voting. Can you talk about those a little bit? Yeah, I think we are we are concerned about what happens after tomorrow, um, because we do think that in many states, vote counting will take a while, which is not unexpected. Um, and indeed, in many states, because they are not allowed by law to process absentee ballots ahead of election day, um, given the number of absentee or mail-in ballots that are being used these days, um, that vote counting can't begin until Election Day essentially is over. And so we will see um, a number of elections, most likely, that can't be called immediately. And, of course, the concern always exists when that happens that people who are agitated or concerned about or have bought into these conspiracy theories will try to disrupt vote counting, will... Um, create issues for the safety of our election workers. And I would like to say that today is Election Worker Hero Day. Um, it is a day when we try to um, celebrate the fact that our election workers really are heroes and do a tremendous job at making sure, many of them volunteers, do a tremendous job at making sure that people's votes are counted and do in fact count. Um, and so we want to make sure that they're safe. We want to make sure that their work is not disrupted, that they're able to do the work that they have um, been brought on to do, and that the results of the election can be tallied in a way that is free from violence or threat. Absolutely. I know I went and thanked the election workers where I went and uh, helped my wife to get signed up and make sure she was able to vote today um, because I've been there. And even, even back then, it was an intimidating process. And I can just only imagine now what they're going through um, with the, the the political climate being what it is right now. Um, well, I want to uh, real quick, you know, right now, I, I feel anyway that this is I, I know we hear this every election, um, that this is one of the most important elections. But I really feel like right now with what we're seeing um, across the nation, that this is such an important midterm election. Um, for people to get out and vote. Do you, do you agree with that? Do you agree that this is just kind of a, 
we're almost at a crossroads as to the the our future as a country and and where we may head. So I I feel this is just such a, a, an important election. Do you agree with that? Do you think right now we are at a crossroads with this particular midterm election? Well, I mean, on a question like that, I can only speak for myself and not really for ICAP. Sure. Um, but I, I I I do think that that this is a really important election. Although I, I think all elections are important. Yeah. Um, and I think that people. Uh, unfortunately, in the United States, our voter participation um, stats are not great. Um, they've gotten better over the last few years, I think, because over the last few elections, because I think people do understand that democracy is on the ballot and that our future as a country is on the ballot and that how we want to see ourselves as a country in the future is on the ballot. And so I, I really hope that people do vote and that they take the time to vote, even in, for example, in, in my district, this is not a super important election, right? Um, there's a House representative who's up who is probably going to win because he has won for the last, you know, 20 years. Um, And there's not a lot else on the ballot, but it's still important to go out and and vote for your local officials, particularly local elections this year. Um, There are so many people who um, are on the ballot who are election dyers, who buy into conspiracy theories, who um, are making... uh, it harder for um, the will of the people to be heard. I think it's really important that people get out and vote, even if even if the ballot is just a couple of school board officials. Right? It's sure. very important that people vote, even in those circumstances. All right. Well, I want to say thank you to you for coming out and uh, last minute, uh, the eve of the election, come on uh, the podcast and, and talk with my listeners and I. And thank you for the work you're doing at ICAP. I, I really believe in what you guys are doing. I really appreciate it, Jason. It's always, it is always great to talk to you, and thank you so much for having me on. All right, folks, that was our interview with Rupa. She's over at the Georgetown Laws Institute for Constitutional Advocacy and Protection. They're doing great work. So I'm going to include the... Um, the body of the email that was sent out to uh, partners and friends of ICAP um, that has all the links. And this breaks down. There's a, uh, a searchable fact sheet for all 50 states explaining the laws barring unauthorized private militia groups and what to do if groups of armed individuals are near a polling place or voters registration drive near you. Um, again, fact sheets on voter intent- intimidation laws, guidance on outlining actions election officials can take to address or prevent violent or voter intimidation, including by armed individuals or groups, guidance on law enforcement's role in ensuring safe and voter participation in the polls, guidance on the authority of state government to regulate poll observers, guidance on managing vehicular protests during election season. Um, There will be a link to the constitutional sheriff's fact sheet that I went over in last week's episode. And... um, Fact sheet on video recording on or near polling places. Um, Guidance for election, law enforcement, and public safety officials. Um, And uh, just a fact sheet in response to increasing threats against public officials and private individuals whose jobs involve election election integrity. There is a Spanish um, fact sheet as well. So if you have uh, friends of yours that 
may need these resources and uh, don't speak English, you can send them that link. Um, and guidance for law enforcement about how to protect election staff and ballots. So all that's going to be included. And um, yeah. So what else is going on in town this week? Just real quick, uh, go out and check out the Adams Family Show at the, uh, the, the local high school, Dr. Denny. Um, always does an amazing job with the musicals. I've covered them before. And my daughter, my middle daughter, she's 16. She will be uh, on stage during that show. So if you're uh, in the Essex Park area and looking for something to do later on this week, check out the uh, the Adams Family School musical. And uh, we're blessed as a community to have someone like Dr. Denny uh, helping our kids out. Um, yeah. And then, uh, tomorrow I'm going to be going down to the board of education meeting. They've got a, um, they're going to go into executive session to talk with the lawyers. That's always a good sign that you should show up and see what's going on. So I'm going to go cover that. Um, and then, uh, later this week, I'll include any audio from that and links to the whole thing. Um, and, uh, we're going to see what, what's going to transpire with this, these charter school things. And if you haven't gone and looked at or listened to my coverage of the Board of Education and their um, their underhanded. I'm going to just say it was underhanded. It was. They put it out at the legal last minute, literally. Um, and uh, I believe that this is kind of what they've been angling towards since this, this block that was, um, you know, they want to say that they were not um, run as a conservative block, but they, I, I really think that their actions speak louder than their words. And we're just going to go watch their actions. We're going to go see what their actions have to say. I'm going to see if I can get an interview with superintendent, uh, Miss Bodie and, uh, see what she has to say about it. And if you're an educator in the SS park school district, and you'd like to come on and talk about your concerns, um, I know there's a lot of concern because I've been reached out by educators in, in the community and they're concerned about having their name associated with things. And, um, well, you know, from my coverage of Title IX investigations and stuff where there were threats of lawsuits and, and legal action and stuff, I will hold my guns as far as protecting my sources. And now I've got a really good, uh, well, a couple legal teams, actually. So uh, I, I will do everything I can to protect your identity. Um, you know, once I verify you're legit and for real, but if you'd like to come forward and speak about what you think is happening here in our education system in the SS park school district, I encourage you to reach out to me, Jason at Colorado switchblade.com. And, uh, so that's going to be the coverage we have later on this week. Um, I'm trying to get some, some people who have been covering this type of uh, subject matter down in Thompson school district and across the state, really to kind of break down how this kind of evolves from, um, you know, trainings, right-wing conservative trainings um, to running school board officials to um, getting rid of the old guard, such as the firing of the school superintendent, superintendent. <laughs> wow. Um, and, uh, you know, then moving forward with these charter schools and that, that generally from what we've seen historically hasn't worked out all that great. So, but, you know, I'm not necessarily the most, verse person on these topics, but I'm going to try to get those that are to come on and talk about what's happening right now in the SS Park School District. Um, also, a quick reminder, uh, I'm going to put the links in to the Mea Copa live event that I just went and did in uh, Las Vegas with Kathy Griffin. And um, there was uh, Michael Cohen, of course. 
uh, Trump's former attorney. Um, and then uh, the the host of Talking Feds podcast, who himself was a, uh, a prosecuting attorney for um, the, the attorney general. So, uh, yeah, that's that's broken down into episodes, but all of the information is great. There's some great question and answer where we do live questions from the audience. Um, and, you know, Kathy Griffin, she's she's the top of the news charts today, uh, trending because of uh, her and a, a bunch of other well-known individuals, influencers, if you will, um, took a stand and they all put themselves, not their not their at, you know, Kathy Griffin, but their their screen name that just comes up. They they did it in protest as a way to protest Elon Musk and some of his new policies with Twitter. And of course, uh, she got permanently banned for it and uh, a few others as well. But he did come back and say if she pays eight dollars for that blue check mark, he'll he'll go ahead and uh, reinstate her. I don't know. I don't think we're off to a good start with Twitter. I'm off it altogether. Um, an alternative we have that might be coming out Substack, which is where I host this, uh, now has a new live chat feature, which uh, functions somewhat like Twitter. You'll have to be right now. It's in beta for the iPhone application. So you'll have to be an iPhone user um, and download the Substack app. But it'll be a way that uh, subscribers, paid subscribers, will be able to interact with me uh, real time. So check it out over on the Substack app. I, uh, I put out a post earlier today. Uh, you should be able to find it in your email or on the website, uh, coloradoswitchblade.com, and uh, check it out. So we'll see if maybe we can we can fill in the gaps from the dumpster fires that are social media, be it Facebook or Twitter, seems to be uh, well aflame right now. All right, folks, that's it for today. I will talk with you again later this week. I'm Jason Van Tatenhove, and you've been listening to the Colorado Switchblade.